welcome to Macintosh Mod. Haven't seen what? The podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. I'm Diana. And I'm David. And today we watch Fried Green Tomatoes. A housewife who is unhappy with her life befriends an old lady at a nursing home and is enthralled by the tales she tells of people she used to know. It's a classic. Classic? It's a staple of the 90s. This is a very good movie. It is, which is nice, because this is our last one of the series. It is, and we've had some real stinkers to round out some series as of late. We really have. They've not <laughs> been the best. It was nice to have a good one. I don't know. I have very few things to say other than good movie, and also so gay. Oh, so gay. So gay. So very, very gay. And even it, you know, even though it's not expensive, explicitly gay in this movie i know the book is is more explicit and but also for you know 91 this is nuts i think against the wishes of the producers everyone involved was like mm, we're still gonna make it gay oh it's very gay <laughs> i feel like that's what's it was like when we're not allowed to say it our younger co-stars were like yeah well anyway <laughs> It's 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 gay. I mean, good lesbians, yay. Yep. I don't know. I don't. I don't have a whole lot more to say about. It's just. It's it's just good. It's a cute. It's a sweet story. Is it the best story ever? No, but it's sweet and it's so well performed. And like Kathy Bates is just like, oh, honey, <laughs> it's great. The fact that she's coming off this the year after Misery. I know. Where she's already iconic. Yes. And a legend just for that role. And then she comes in and gives us this. Yes, I love her. And she's so pretty. I love it. I, she just looks <laughs> like in the beginning she doesn't, but like towards the end when she's, you know, found herself. She's so pretty. It's so cute. I love it. All right. Well, the budget for this movie was $11 million. That's $24 million in today's money. That's pretty good. That's a low budget for... For a movie like this. With how many set pieces are involved? I don't know. That seems that seems low. But I guess they just found good locations. Yeah. And also, like, this was a, a, a woman film. So, like, they weren't going to throw a lot of money at it. Yeah. Well, it made $119,500,000. It's $261,500,000 in today's money. It made 10 times its budget back. Don't underestimate those women book club books. Certified goddamn hit. Yep. I mean, but even that, I felt like, I feel like it transcended just because the story's so good. Mm -hmm. You could, you could chalk this up to date night movie, but I don't think so. I think that led to word of mouth and enough people going, well, you know, maybe I'll just go see this movie. Well, this was like a book club movie. I mean, women in the South read this book, whether, you know, they cared for the lesbian part of the story or not. They read this. And then, yeah. of course, all of the closeted women were like, oh, I think I'm discovering something about myself here. Yeah. So all of that was happening as part of this. And they're like, oh, they're making a movie. Yes, we are going to go to that. And that's fair. I just don't know that you get 10 times the budget back just on that alone. I think at some point you hit a critical mass of people talking and going like, this is a really good movie. Well, there's that. But also, here's the thing. If women want to see this movie, they're going to find a fucking way to see it. It's true. That's the way these types of stories work. 
back. Mm-hmm. This was so for women, regardless of your sexual orientation. This is a like this film particularly is for women. Oh, for sure. So yeah, women are gonna find a way to see this movie. It's a it's a ladies' night out, one thousand percent. And I say this as a cis white male. Men should see it too. It's really good. It's yes, a really good movie. It is a good movie. All right, let's talk about our writing. The novel and credited with the screenplay is Fanny Flagg. This is her best known writing effort based off of her novel. She's probably most famous if you've ever watched cable TV and watched old reruns of Match Game because she was one of the rotating panelists on the 70s Match Game. Mm -hmm. That is how you would know this woman, but she's also a writer. And then the screenplay is written by Carol Sobieski, Before this, she wrote for Peyton Place on television, did lots of TV movies, Honeysuckle Rose, Annie, The Toy, Sylvester, Sarah Plain and Tall, and Money for Nothing. And shortly after this film wrapped, she passed away from liver disease. Mm. What do we think of the writing of this movie? It's very good. Mm -hmm. It's got a great framework that I honestly, I don't know if that's in the book, but it gives us a great reason to be hearing this story and i'm sure you could have done without it but i do like having it because i feel like it keeps us from the it kind of like cut some bullshit that we would have otherwise gotten in the movie and i don't think they linger too long on any any one particular piece which is great you don't just want to do a whole flashback story Mm -hmm. that doesn't hit home the message of the the novel and honestly i feel like it has to be partly the uh the way the novel is structured like it feels like that's gotta be the way it's it's structured and shit because in telling that story you find that it empowers women who hear it Mm -hmm. and that's the key to the whole thing (laughs) especially with evelyn where it's like she's going to all these classes she's trying to figure all of this out And instead, it's just all she needed to hear was an actual true example of a woman, of women living their lives to the fullest extent and their desires Mm -hmm. and not any bullshit Mm -hmm. to finally go, oh, I can just do that. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the whole point of the story. And so if you don't show somebody getting that, you miss the chance of that theme. Because otherwise, it, it really is just a... Well, this is cute and fun, but whatever. It mm-hmm. doesn't pack nearly the punch if you don't have the Evelyn and Ninny story on the side. Yes. I think it I think the two complement each other and height you know, Evelyn's story heightens the story of Iggy of Iggy and Ruth, while Iggy and Ruth bring her back around to where she needs to be. Yeah, and I, I just looked it up. The framework is in the book. So yeah. Evelyn yeah, that whole thing is still there. I yeah, it just it helps like contextualize what's going on which is just great it's so good (laughs) it's just it it's good it's an incredibly well-written movie Mm -hmm. which means that even if the rest of the people didn't get it Mm -hmm. i was like if you didn't have a good cast at the very least this would have been an outstanding tv movie sure you could throw this up on hallmark and you would still be entertained or you could now i would say netflix right Mm mm-hmm this could be like a little mini holiday special with not your most favorite actors in the world, but hey, it'd be solid because it's really well written. Mm-hmm. 
One note, many viewers believe Ninny was actually Iggy. They cite the final scene as a cue for this. And honestly, I got swept up in that. But the novel makes it clear that is not the case. Ninny and Iggy interact with each other in the novel. Mm-hmm. The film is more subtle about it. Ninny saying she was married to Iggy's brother, Cleo, which would make it really weird if she was Iggy. Yes. And that she had a crush on Buddy, Iggy's brother. On the other hand, you know, there's no telling. She could be lying. I mean, there's that. I think I understand why audiences want her to be Iggy. Mm-hmm. Totally understand and fair. I think the real mistake the the movie might have made with that is they either needed to go all in on that or they needed to have more. They needed for us to see Ninny like in the background more of some of these scenes. Like she didn't have to be in every single one, but like at the wedding stuff, at the cafe. You should have seen her. And like and even just in a passing where Iggy was serving Ninny, like, oh hi Ninny, it's nice to see you again. How's fan block? Like just random stuff like that. So we could see that she was a part of some of these stories, even if she is not the subject of the stories. Yes. It was just one or the other. You had to go one or the other. And they didn't do either. They kept it too vague. Well, <laughs> When you pay attention at the end, it's just like when she has like, is she still alive? And she's like, oh, yes, she is. And then that's why you think that she's edgy. But it's very clear. Like, no, she's not. Yeah, I know. She's not. They they swept me up in the moment sure. of it all. <laughs> I, 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 the thing is, I don't care. I don't <laughs> care. You just, you see the honey on the gravestone. You're like, oh, it's so beautiful. Well, the other interesting note here was that the script did go through some sort of development hell. So Sobieski wrote the screenplay and got so frustrated with it, like banging her head against that she sort of gave up midway through. Fair. Apparently then Flag took it over to continue the adaptation. But uncredited here, I believe, is our director, who we'll talk about right now, mm-hmm. a gentleman by the name of John Avnet. Now, this is his debut. After this, he directed The War, Up Close and Personal, Red Corner, and then created the television show Boomtown, Mm -hmm. 88 Minutes, Righteous Kill, and created Justified and Sneaky Pete. Mm. So he has done a lot of television producing as of late. What do we think of the directing of this movie? It's very good. It's fine. The thing is, you, I mean, look at this cast. Any, this could have been a first-time director straight out of film school, and it would have been hard to screw up these actors. They're they're the best. They're amazing. I don't know that he brings anything particularly interesting or special. And also, he is apparently one of the key reasons why the lesbian romance was cut. You know, I get it. I mean, remember when we did our color purple thing? They cut it too. I understand. I'm not saying I like it, and I'm not saying we should do a new one in 2022, or we should do a new one here in the year 2020s and and make it more explicit, but I, I get it. Well, except for the fact that Fanny Flagg, Mary Louise Parker, and Mary Stuart Masterson were all advocating to keep the romance. Sure. They were all pushing it. Sure. Great. I love that. That's fabulous. I get I, here's the thing, no, I even know. if they I had know. filmed it and kept it in the script, it all would have gotten cut. Well, first of all, it was his debut movie, and the producers also were stepping in, being like, mm-mm, can't do this. And I have to recall, like, we talked about George Carlin playing a gay character mm-hmm. 
in Prince of Tides. This is before Philadelphia, mm-hmm. which in many ways, and I'm not saying it's right, because again, I would really prefer in most cases that we have somebody who is... Of the community telling those stories. Particularly Philadelphia. I think that's just fair for all movies. I feel like the the driving force of the film should be played by someone from the community. However, that movie was a groundbreaking moment in being able to depict yes. queer stories on a broad scale for a broad audience. Oh, of course. And that was two years after this. Sure. So even hinting at it is still dicey in -hmm. some situations from a money perspective. You know, we don't have the Hayes Code. Nobody's going to go, like, you know, rip the movie out from theaters. But you might lose some money on this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, you know, they push for the PG-13 because they could kind of get away with this being a family movie. Mm -hmm. Like, not... Definitely not the most kid-appropriate movie, but you could see this with your family and enjoy it and it not be too offensive to some people. Mm -hmm. Look, I don't know. I just don't see anything specifically interesting for the reasons you said, that the writing's so good and the acting is incredible. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, what did he bring to this? I mean, he didn't bring anything and that's okay. Yeah. Maybe that's what he needed to do. Whole bunch of women are here, and this man is just like, I'm just here to put the movie on camera. Y'all do everything else. Okay, bye. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, a lot of directors do work that way. It's like, I hired you to do a job. I, I'm not going to give you any other direction if I don't need it. You, I hired you because you know what you're doing. Avnet did claim on the DVD extras, though, that he considers the food fight the analogy for the love scene they could not include in the film. Hmm. which is the gayest scene. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And it's like, they play it off as they're almost like drunk, but I, it's, I, every, everyone's here for it. You see the way those two women are looking at each other like, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. We all know where that's headed. <laughs> yeah, not mad about it. Not nope. mad. <laughs> not even a little bit. So let's talk about this cast. Mm-hmm. And we start with one Kathy Bates playing Evelyn Couch. We have talked about her before from Misery. What do we think of her in this movie? She's amazing. (laughs) I love her so much. She's just like, she is like this blooming flower in this film. Like, she's like, okay, I'm just going to do what my husband wants. I'm just going to be nice. And, you know, and then the whole like, she needs hormones. And then like, you know, she (laughs) runs these young... Girls over basically, she's like, Well, I'm older and I have better insurance. Like, yes, I love this. <laughs> um, Louis, are you crazy? Basic girls, I'm older and I have more insurance. It's uh, it's so good. She's so good again. This could just be a Hallmark movie about these two women from the 1920s. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's this beautiful movie about their story, also bringing this woman to self-realization, and that's all Kathy Bates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, the story is still compelling, even if you just act it, but Kathy Bates is the one who, in those moments, refocuses the movie on her. Mm-hmm. And it's good. It's a good back and forth. It breaks everything up. It makes it work. Yes, she's incredible, because she's Kathy fucking Bates. Who could have been better? No one. 
Well, how about Susan Sarandon? No. You know, now that now that I think about it, yeah, that's true. Like, I love her, but no. Because she's too... Susan Sarandon doesn't do plain very well. No. She has such natural charisma. Yeah, she wouldn't have been passive well. No. <laughs> because Evelyn's gotta be a pushover for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, know, we got we got the far superior version of Susan Sarandon and Thelma and Louise. Let's yes. be honest. Yeah. All right. Then we get Jessica Tandy as Ninny Threadgood. Before this, she was in The Seventh Cross, The Desert Fox, The Story of Rommel, Hemingway's Adventures of a Young Man, The Birds, The World According to Garp, Best Friends, Cocoon, Batteries Not Included, Cocoon the Return, and Driving Miss Daisy. And after this, she was in the movie Nobody's Fool. What do we think of Jessica Tandy in this movie? She's lovely. Not a delightful old woman. She's just so good. It reminded me so much of another film of hers that came out. I think it was right after this. And it was like a TV movie. And it was called like the storybook lady. Mm. And like those two started like playing a lot on television around this time. And I just I love her. She's just she's just great. I mean, she's fantastic. She's she's doing the storyteller role masterfully while mm-hmm. also being compelling. And I like that they I like that the story gives her a moment to shine, especially near the end. Mm-hmm. Like the whole time she could just be our storyteller. But in in the final moments, we're actually like, hey, don't forget, she's part of this, too. Yeah. And she has a whole world to deal with. Mm-hmm. You know, she's a legend. So she's that's good. Awesome. It's fitting. We like her. Uh, who could have been better for this one? Joanne Woodward, actress and spouse to Paul Newman. Hmm. I'm sure she would have been lovely, but I don't care. They got a woman just coming off of an Oscar. Mm-hmm. So, you know, two women coming off of an Oscar. Mm-hmm. The fact that Kathy Bates had one best actress the year before. Yeah. And Tandy won it the year before that is wild to think about. Now let us talk about our other two leads, and we start with Mary Stuart Masterson as Iggy Threadgood. Before this, she was in The Stepford Wives, Heaven Help Us, At Close Range, Amazing Stories, and Some Kind of Wonderful. After this, she was in Benny and June, Radioland Murders, Bed of Roses, Dogtown, The Postman, Something the Lord Made, and has done all sorts of guest star appearances on TV. Mm. What do we think of Mary Stuart Masterson in this movie? She is so good. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I love her. Because she's so, like, I don't want to say rock. That feels so cliche. But she, but she is. She's just so unkempt, but in the most precious way. I, I just, I love her. I love her so much. Just a little toughy. Yeah. I, I mean, like, there's nothing, like, she's just so good. And, like, you're like she's she is she's so good and she's so funny and then you're also like she really needs a hug. Mm. <laughs> that girl desperately needs a hug. She had way too much sad in her life. So much sad. So she much. had a lot of she got her heart broken in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Her stunt double quit at the last minute, so she wound up having to do the bee stunts herself. Mm. That must have made an impression on her because she installed two beehives on her family's farm in the Hudson Valley in 2017. That's cool. She said ever since taking the role, she had wanted to become a beekeeper. Quote, ever since fried green tomatoes, I felt like a sham. Unquote. Mm. Who could have been better for this role? Auditioning was Uma Thurman. Interesting. Okay. 
Um, I'm going to go with no, because I don't. Here's the thing. Uma Thurman has like model look, good looks. Mary Stewart is like Calvin Klein model. It's a very different vibe. She's the one, she's like, she looks good, dirty. I don't feel like Uma does. Uma would have been great as Ruth. She could have done Ruth, but I mean, just two like very pale blonde ladies. No, but uh, they could have done her. They I understand, but no. Well, how about let's talk about Mary Louise Parker as Ruth Jamison. Mm-hmm. Before this, she was in Signs of Life and Grand Canyon. After this, Mr. Wonderful, The Client, Bullets Over Broadway, Boys on the Side, Reckless, The Portrait of a Lady, Red Dragon, The West Wing, Angels in America on TV, Saved, Weeds, The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford, The Spiderwick Chronicles, How, Red, R.I.P.D., Red 2, and Red Sparrow. What do we think of Mary Louise Parker in this movie? She's so good. Also she precious, but also tough in her own way. Yes. She, I mean, she's just like holding up, like she's just in fight or flight for so much of this. I mean, if, for for the specific portions that are mm-hmm. really dark, yes. But then there's also, she's so, the whole fun bit is that, you know, she's the good girl, but then Every time they stray a little bit outside of the good, you see that Mary Louise Parker smirk come on. Mm-hmm. And you're like, hee 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 uh-oh, there's about to be some trouble. And that's that's the magic of her is like, all she has to do is smirk a little bit and then she just goes into full mischief mode. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, Mary Stewart is going to be tough little street urchin until you realize she needs so much love. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's... The the beauty of these two is that they're always twisting the rules back and forth with each other. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, even even alongside of the romance aspect, even if you cut any hint of that out, the fact is is that they're they're two parts of a whole. Yes. In how their characters are put together and and how they they work together as a unit. And so it you know, they're always moving around each other so well. And the chemistry mm-hmm. between them is so perfect. That, you know, this is one of those where, you know, you could have screen tested, I don't know how many women, but you couldn't just cast it blind. They would have to work together Mm -hmm. or it's just not going to happen. All right. That'll lead us into some Arpons. Random people of note. We have Cecily Tyson as Sipsy, the legendary black actress. She refused to portray anyone but strong black women throughout her entire career. Good for her. Uh, you've probably seen her in Sounder, the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman, Roots, and How to Get Away with Murder. Mm-hmm. She's so cute. We have Chris O'Donnell as Buddy Threadgood. It's Robin. <laughs> sure. He makes an appearance for all of five minutes. I was like, they're not gonna, oh, they really did do that. Okay, well. Yep. That one was a bit much. I was like, really? Like, right away? We're gonna go for. You gotta give stake. There's gotta be stakes. There's stakes, but it's a little too sudden. No, it's really not when you think Mm. about it, because we get all through Evelyn Couch and then we get to that they had met. And now it's like, oh, they're probably going to get married. But nope, he's got to die. Yeah, no, it actually takes a hot minute. Uh, Gaylord Sartain as Ed Couch. He was Jerry from The Outsiders. Oh, wow. Timothy Scott as Smokey Lonesome, he was one of the young beat cops in In the Heat of the Night. Mm, okay. He was the lanky dude. Okay. 
Gary Basaraba as Greedy Kilgore. He played Herb Rennett on Mad Men. Okay. Lois Smith as Mama Threadgood. Iris Heineman in Minority Report. She's a very recognizable character actress. Mm. Okay. Joe Harvey Allen as the women's awareness teacher who <laughs> goes wild in the living room. Uh, she is a Texas native who pioneered women in radio, hosting Rawhide and Roses on underground rock station KPPC-FM. She then went into performance art and moved throughout the U.S. performing. Richard Reilly playing Reverend Scroggins. We mentioned him as the quartermaster in glory. Mm -hmm. Also a very recognizable comic character actor, dude. Rainer Shine playing Sheriff Curtis Smoot. He was one of the witnesses in My Cousin Vinny. Grace Zabriskie as Ava Bates. She played Sarah Palmer, Laura's mom, on Twin Peaks. Mm. Afton Smith playing Leona Threadgood. She was formerly married to Brendan Fraser. Okay. Constance Schulman as Missy. This is Patty from Doug. Yeah, Patty Mayonnaise. And Yoga Jones on Orange is the New Black. I love her so much. In for five seconds, but that voice is completely recognizable to anyone from the 90s. Oh, yeah, you know it. You know what it is. Nick Searcy as Frank Bennett. We just talked about him in a smaller role in Prince of Tides. He gets a much bigger one in this. Ted mm -hmm. Manson playing the bailiff. He played Chip the Grandpa in Talladega Nights. Oh, okay. Jacob Avnet playing a wedding guest. This is, of course, the son of our director. That's cute. And finally, as the teacher, saying that you can get that spark back into your marriage, it's Fanny Flagg, one of, of our writers. Of course, she had to be in the movie. I love it. <laughs> All right, awards. Awards. This movie was nominated for two Academy Awards. Okay. Best Adapted Screenplay. Okay. And Best Supporting Actress for Jessica Tandy. Really? Okay. Nothing for Kathy on this one. I mean, I no she no i understand not giving it to her she won the year before Ex well there's that which that you know there's doesn't mean bullshit the, but this movie did not make nearly the impression that misery did i feel like this is her like this was my break i'm just going to do a good job in a light-hearted film yeah i don't know i mean we could we could talk about that later to see if we were like did somebody else belong here maybe i don't know i don't know I could, I will say this, knowing what I know, I could justify putting her in instead of maybe one of our actresses. Mm -hmm. On to a little bit of trivia. Trivia. There is an actual Whistle Stop Cafe just north of Macon, Georgia that serves fried green tomatoes. The set was turned into an actual restaurant and the surrounding area into a tourist attraction. Okay. Now, the actual Whistle Stop Cafe from the novel was located in Irondale, Alabama, a suburb of Birmingham, which is where Fanny Flagg grew up. They filmed all in Georgia, but the movie's set in Alabama. Yeah. Director John Avnett got Mary Louise Parker and Mary Stuart Masterson confused so often, he started referring to them as Lou and Stu to keep from confusing them. No judgment. According to Avnet, Aretha Franklin's voice was dubbed into the soundtrack for the gospel singer in the movie. Oh, okay. Grayson Frick, playing Buddy Jr., and Nancy Atchison, playing Little Iggy, played the young versions of Nick Nolte and Melinda Dillon in The Prince of Tides. Oh, wow. Okay, that's fun. They were clearly the two 
we need kids to play the younger versions of movie stars. I mean, there are a lot of kids who were able to pay for their college by doing shit like that. And fair play to them, they didn't get sucked into, like, the kid machine. They were just like, I did a couple roles, paid for my college, had a great time, got to be around some cool people. I did this thing for a while. Cool. Fanny Flagg was very good friends with Mary Kay Ash, the founder of Mary Kay. Mm. This, of course, leads to the note that Mrs. Threadgood suggests Evelyn might be good with cosmetics, leading her to go work for Mary Kay. No judgment. Mary Kay is one of the few MLMs that is actually fully legit and has actually done a lot of good work. And they're headquartered here in Dallas, though. My cousin actually got married at their, um, she had her reception at their headquarters. Kathy Bates and Mary Stuart Masterson share the same birthday. Oh, that's cute. And at the very end of the credits, you can hear the sound of a train whistle in the distance. This brings the film full circle when Evelyn imagines she can hear a train walking up to the cafe. Mm. Ratings. Ratings. Wow. There's not a lot on this one. That's okay. There's really nothing to say. It's so good. Who cares? How many fried green tomatoes are we going to give this movie? Noting that they taste terrible when they first make them. 4.5. 4.5. Only be- And I'm only docking them because they didn't make it gay enough. It should be super gay. It is super gay, but it should be more gay. 4.5 because of that and because that while it is a classic, there's almost a level of like maybe a more, it, you know, somebody with a really big take on the directing might have mm-hmm. taken it and turned it in a weird way. I think there's just a little bit of the like, really, you're going to hit that this hard on this note and stuff. There's just a little bit of eye rolling to it. Not in a bad way, but in a come on way. Yeah. A hair of extra nuance and thoughtfulness and care. And then so much more actually giving us the romance between these two. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it has to be explicit. Just give us the romance. Yeah. And I think this movie would be incredible. Agreed. Probably ought to read the book. And so that means that for this series, we have watched all of the movies. We watched all of our movies. Now, to be fair, there are a handful that we have missed here, either because we have seen them before or because they just weren't big enough movies to like make an impact for us. Mm-hmm. But we caught the important ones. And coming up next week, we are going to talk about the 64th Academy Awards. The theme, the pure joy of the movies. Mm-hmm. And who's our host, Diana? One Billy Crystal. Hell yes. This is going to be so surreal because this is one that I would have probably caught bits of on actual television. I wouldn't have seen this one for sure. Is this the one he did right after or like where are we in terms of City Slickers? Oh, this is the same year as City Slickers. Okay, this is the year he comes out on a horse, isn't it? No. Okay, that's the that's when two was coming out. That would have been with City Slickers too. No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. Uh, his his entrance here will be just as iconic, but for different and very appropriate reasons. But regardless, we're gonna go watch it. And again, I think the the really fun one here is gonna be like we know these people. Yeah, that's kind of fun. It's not gonna be like the '68 Oscars where we're like, who who are these people? <laughs> I mean, let's just say it. We're feeling our age. Today, as of our recording this, American Girl just announced that their new historic doll is from 1999. That feels so wrong. Well, let's let's dive right back in. <laughs> just to all of that nostalgia. 
It hurts. It hurts. Well, until next time. Have a good movie. Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. (laughs) 